The church's liturgical year ends in just a couple of weeks. It starts over every year, you know, with Advent. And always during these final weeks of the church's year, as we move toward the later parts of whatever gospel it is that we're reading through, we run into all of these different sayings, these teachings of the Lord that are all aimed around getting us ready for his coming again. And it's, it's the right way, it's a fitting way to end the church's year by looking ahead to that reality like we, we profess in the creed. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Paul talks about that in the second reading tonight. Over the centuries, as we've focused on that reality, that this life is coming to an end, there will be a moment when for every one of us, this life will end, there are two things that have really beautifully developed in the life and the prayer and the devotion of the church. On the one hand, this month of November, because we are focusing on the coming end of all things, on the one hand, it's become for us that beautiful month of remembrance when we pray for our loved ones who have gone before us in death. And that is a beautiful and it's a hopeful and it's an incredibly comforting thing that the way that God binds us together, he allows us to not just kind of fret about, well, what, what has come of my loved ones, but to be able to pray for them, to intercede for them, to entrust them into the Lord's hands and to find comfort in, in that act of putting them into the hands of God's mercy. And we do that throughout November in this month of all souls. The other thing that's developed is this. It's also become a, a time for us to look at our own life and to, to get ready for the end whenever that may come. And so there's this great very classic, traditional, little two-word Latin phrase that focuses us on that reality, memento mori. You know the word memento because if you go on vacation to some place, oh, I want to bring a memento home with me. It's a remembrance, right? To, that's what a, a memento is. But in the Latin, memento mori means to remember your death. And it's a really good, healthy thing. I love that the church is so realistic about this because it, it tells us, look, every one of us will face it. Don't run away from that reality, but, but think on your life before God and let his teachings in scripture shine light into your heart to help you to look and ask the question, Lord, how, how ready am I for that moment? And in both of these things, both in all souls and in the remembering of, of our own mortality, there's, there's something hopeful the Lord gives us like tonight in the second reading. Paul talks about for those who have died in faith, and, and Paul's talking about that, that real deep biblical faith, not just I was a good person, but I lived a life of faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says for those who have lived that life of faith, there should be a, a certain certainty of being with him forever. And so Paul says to the Thessalonians tonight, you, you can grieve the loss of your loved ones, but don't grieve without hope. Those who don't believe, they grieve without hope, but you, Paul says, mourn their loss, but do it with hope. 
So that's the comforting thing, but there's also a challenge in both of these things for that remembering of our own death. We know it's not just an automatic thing. It's not just that somehow, independent of me using my freedom to say, Lord, I love you and I wanna follow you, somehow it's all gonna work out. My freedom is real and it's radically powerful. And so there's, there's the challenge like we have in the gospel tonight. 10 virgins, we'll open this up here in just a second. 10 virgins waiting for the arrival of the bridegroom. Five, half of them don't make it into the wedding feast. Like just that reality, we have to be serious about that. So I'm gonna look, at, look with you at, at this parable. The Lord in this gospel parable, at the heart of it he's saying to us, I want you to be ready for that moment when I come again. And the beautiful image that he uses here, which he uses so often in his preaching and his teaching is he says, here's how I want you to think about heaven. Think of it as this great wedding banquet. It is the most prominent biblical image that we have for what God wants us to enjoy with him. So he says, think about heaven as this great wedding banquet and my coming again in glory, like we profess in the creed, he says, think of it as I am the bridegroom who's coming for the wedding feast. Now everyone in his day would have understood what he meant. The way that Jewish weddings were celebrated was the bridegroom, he, he would make his way to where the wedding would be and before he arrived, those ahead of him would announce his arrival and there were, there were those people the, the, in here in the, in the parable tonight, the virgins who go out to meet him and they need to go out with their lamps lit because the Jewish weddings were celebrated in the evening. And it could happen back then, before you had Google Maps with traffic. It could happen that you could say, oh, like, he's gonna be here in the, in the, the sixth watch of the night. And, but then he, he gets delayed. And so you have to wait. And it gets darker. And Jesus says, I want you to be ready for that moment when I, the bridegroom, come to enter into and then inaugurate the wedding feast. But to be ready, we need to be like those virgins who have our lamps lit. And so it's dark, we need our lamps lit. And the crazy thing in the parable is, you've got 10 of them, they all bring their lamps, but half of them bring the lamps, but, but no oil. Maybe they set out when it was light earlier on and they weren't even thinking, who, who knows? But when the moment comes for the arrival of the bridegroom, only half of them are ready to light their lamps and go out and meet him and then accompany him into the wedding feast. The other half, they go out to find merchants in the middle of the night to buy oil. When they arrive back finally, it's too late. And so there's just really two very clear, simple, urgent messages the Lord is giving us here. And it's, I, I'm, I'm, I need you to be ready, which means to have your lamps filled with oil and burning brightly. We'll talk about that in a second. But to be ready for it, you cannot wait until the last minute. You can't wait 
until the cry is heard, the bridegroom is coming, it's too late then. And so don't put it off, but now is the time to begin your preparation. So in the whole history of the church, opening up his parable, Jesus doesn't give any, any footnotes. The cultural context, people would have understood it, but we rely on the saints and, and the, the great figures in the church who've opened up this passage and have helped us to understand what's the oil? Like, my life is what is meant to be bright and, and on fire with God's love. Like, that's the sign of being awake and ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. But how does that happen? Like, what's the oil that's needed? And there's different interpretations, but a lot of them move in, in this really basic direction that I need to be filled with the, the oil of God's love, of his charity, that can set me on fire, that can be set on fire, that my life burns brightly. So in a certain way, it kind of goes back to what Jesus teaches us in other places. I've made you to be the light of the world. And a city set on a hill, it can't be hidden. It's meant to give light to all. And same with the bushel basket. So it connects back with that a bit. But the whole idea is, at the heart of it, that we simply right now are putting into practice we're living out now the Christian life that Jesus has taught us. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's the whole of living out what it means to be a disciple. That, that's the oil that's lit on fire that makes my light, my life, burn brightly. Like it's not meant to be like a super hidden thing. It's the way I love God now. It's the way I meet him in prayer and I talk with him heart to heart now. It's the way I love my neighbor. It's the way that I forgive. It's the way that I look for opportunities to serve others, especially those who are in need. It's just the whole of the gospel. Those who are ready for the coming of the Lord are those who just right now are putting into practice the gospel. And I think for us, you're obviously, you're all here at Mass tonight, and so someone might say, well, you're, you're, Father, you're preaching to the choir because we're all here. But, but we know that it's easy to compartmentalize our life, and I can go to church on Sunday, but that does not automatically mean that I look or act or think or behave like a Christian Monday through Saturday. And so it's that whole big picture. And so tonight, the Lord is, is saying to us, I want you to be part of that great wedding feast. And I'm coming to, to inaugurate it, and I want you to accompany me into it. But you have to be ready for it. And it's a really sober thing in the gospel tonight that for the five who were foolish and said, for whatever reason, we can wait till later to get ready, when they were banging on the door and saying, Lord, Lord, open for us, the door isn't opened. And that, that's, that, that's, that's a really sobering thought. We know how much he loves us, right? I mean, he gave his life for us, so he is not ever arbitrary with this stuff. He doesn't play games with our salvation. He loves us too much to do that. But in our freedom, you and I have an incredible power. And when in the gospel we're told that when they, they, they bang on the door and, and, and open up, 
and the master says, I, I do not know you, and the door stays closed. That's something we have to take that to heart. Like, Lord, I, I need to remember that this, my salvation is, is serious stuff, and I can't put it off and delay it. And I can't think that, that, it's, that it's enough just to do a few Christian things, but, but leave other big chunks of my life to myself and, and my own control. Lord, I need to know this, this is really serious. In a good way, it's serious. Not in a way that, that's meant to leave us in, in this place of, of awful fear, but a seriousness in terms of, Lord, my salvation is so serious for you that you went to the cross for me. And, and that's, 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 that's a huge deal. Lord, help me to take my own salvation that seriously that now, in my life, young or old, because the awesome thing is we were all made to have this great relationship with God, whether we're in first grade or 50 or, or have been married for 50 years, whatever it might be. But help me to take seriously the offer, the invitation you're making to be part of this great wedding feast, which is eternal life. And, and help me to act now without delay to make sure that my life is on fire with your love, love for you, love for neighbor, that I, I might be counted among those who get to escort you into and be part of with you the great wedding feast of heaven.